Chapter Six of Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. Oliver, being goaded by the taunts of Noah, rouses into action and rather astonishes him. The month's trial over, Oliver was formally apprentice. It was a nice sickly season just at this time. In commercial phrase, coffins were looking up, and in the course of a few weeks Oliver acquired a great deal of experience. The success of Mr Sowerberry's ingenious speculation exceeded even his most sanguine hopes. Their oldest inhabitants recollected no period at which measles had been so prevalent or so fatal to infant existence and many were the mournful processions which little oliver headed in a hat-band reaching down to his knees to the indescribable admiration and emotion of all the mothers in the town as oliver accompanied his master in most of his adult exhibitions too in order that he might acquire that equanimity of demeanour and full command of nerve which was essential to a finished undertaker he had many opportunities of observing the beautiful resignation and fortitude with which some strong-minded people bear their trials and losses for instance when sowerby had an order for the burial of some rich old lady or gentleman who was surrounded by a great number of nephews and nieces who had been perfectly inconsolable during the previous illness and whose grief had been wholly irrepressible even on the most public occasions when they would be as happy among themselves as need to be quite cheerful and contented conversing together with as much freedom and gaiety as if nothing whatever had happened to disturb them husbands too bore the loss of their wives with the most heroic calmness wives again put on weeds for their husband as if so far from grieving in the garb of sorrow they had made up their minds to render it as becoming and attractive as possible it was observable too that ladies and gentlemen who were in passions of anguish during the ceremony of internment recovered almost as soon as they reached home and became quite composed before the tea-drinking was over all this was very pleasant and improving to see and oliver beheld it with great admiration oliver twist was moved to resignation by the example of these good people i cannot although i am his biographer undertake to affirm with any degree of confidence but i can most distinctly say that for many months he continued meekly to submit to the domination and ill-treatment of noah claypole who used him far worse than before now that his jealousy was roused by seeing the new boy promoted to the black stick and hat-band while he the old one remained stationary in the muffin cap and leathers charlotte treated him ill because noah did and mrs sowerby was his decided enemy because mr sowerby was disposed to be his friend so between these three on one side and a glut of funerals on the other oliver was not altogether as comfortable as the hungry pig was when he was shut up by mistake in the grain department of a brewery and now i come to a very important passage in oliver's history for i have to record an act slight and unimportant perhaps in appearance but which indirectly produced a material change in all his future prospects and proceedings one day oliver and noah had descended into the kitchen at the usual dinner hour to banquet upon a small joint of mutton pound and a half at the worst end of the neck when charlotte being called out of the way there ensued a brief interval of time which noah claypole being hungry and vicious 
considered he could not possibly devote to a worthier purpose than aggravating and tantalising young Oliver Twist. Intent upon this innocent amusement, Noah put his feet on the tablecloth and pulled Oliver's hair and pushed his ears and expressed his opinion that he was a sneak and furthermore announced his intention of coming to see him hanged whenever that desirable event should take place and entered upon various topics of petty annoyance like a malicious and ill-conditioned charity boy as he was. But making Oliver cry, Noah attempted to be more facetious still and in his attempt did what many sometimes do to this day when they want to be funny he got rather personal workers said noah how's your mother she's dead replied oliver don't you say anything about her to me oliver's colour rose as he said this he breathed quickly and there was a curious working of the mouth and nostrils which mr claypole thought must be the immediate precursor of a violent fit of crying under this impression he returned to the charge or she die of workless said noah of a broken heart some of our old nurses told me replied oliver more as if he were talking to himself than answering noah i think i know what it must be like to die of that toldy roll toldy lol ripe for larry workless said noah as a tear rolled down oliver's cheek or set you a snibbling now not you replied oliver sharply there that's enough don't say anything more to me about her you'd better not better not exclaimed noah well better not workers don't be impudent your mother too she was a nice and she was oh lord and here noah nodded his head expressively and curled up as much of his small red nose as muscular action could collect together for the occasion you know workers continued noah emboldened by oliver's silence and speaking in a jeering tone of affected pity of all the tones the most annoying you know workers it can't be helped now and of course you couldn't help it then i'm very sorry for it i'm sure we all are and pity you very much but you must know workers your mother was a regular right down badden a regular right down badden workers repeated noah coolly and it's a great deal better workers than she died when she did or else she'd have been hard labouring in bridewell or transported or hung which is more likely than either isn't it Crimson with fury, Oliver started up, overthrew the chair and table, seized Noah by the throat, shook him in the violence of his rage till his teeth chattered in his head, and collecting his whole force into one heavy blow, felled him to the ground. A minute ago, the boy had looked the quiet child, mild, dejected creature that harsh treatment had made him. But his spirit was roused at last. The cruel insult to his dead mother had set his blood on fire. His breast heave, his attitude was erect, his eye bright and vivid, his whole person changed, as he stood glaring over the cowardly tormentor, who now lay crouching at his feet, and defied him with an energy he had never known before. You'll murder me, blubbered Noah. Charlotte, missus, here's a new boy, a murderin' of me. Help, help, Oliver's gone mad, Charlotte. Noah's shouts were responded by a loud scream from Charlotte, and a louder from Mrs. Sowerbury the former of whom rushed into the kitchen by a side door while the latter paused on the staircase till she was quite certain that it was consistent with the preservation of human life to come further down. Oh, you little wretch, screamed Charlotte, seizing Oliver with her utmost force, which was about equal to that of a moderately strong man in particularly good training. Oh, you little ungrateful, murderous, horrid villain. And between every syllable, Charlotte gave Oliver a blow with all her might 
accompany it with a scream for the benefit of society. Charlotte's fist was by no means a light one, but lest it should not be effectual in calming Oliver's wrath, Mrs. Sowerby plunged into the kitchen and assisted to hold him in one hand while she scratched his face with the other. In this favourable position of affairs, Noah rose from the ground and pummeled him from behind. It was rather too violent an exercise to last long. When they were all wearied out and could tear and beat no longer, they dragged Oliver struggling and shouting, but nothing daunted, into the dust cellar, and there locked him up. This done, Mrs. Sowerby sank into a chair and burst into tears. Bless her, she's going off, said Charlotte. A glass of water now, dear. Make haste. Oh, Charlotte, said Mrs. Sowerberry, speaking as well as she could through a deficiency of breath and a sufficiency of cold water, which Noah had poured over her head and shoulders. Oh, Charlotte, what a mercy we have not all been murdered in our beds. Ah, oh, mercy indeed, ma'am, was the reply. I only hope this will teach master not to have any more of these dreadful creatures that are born to be murderers and robbers from their very cradle. Poor Noah, he was all but killed, ma'am, when I come in. Poor fellow, said Mr. Sowerby, looking piteously at the charity boy. Noah, whose top waistcoat button might have been somewhere on the level with the crown of Oliver's head, rubbed his eyes with the inside of his wrists while this commiseration was bestowed upon him, and performed some affecting tears and sniffs. What's to be done? exclaimed Mrs. Sowerby. Your master's not at home. There's not a man in the house, and he'll kick that door down in ten minutes. Oliver's vigorous plunges against the bit of timber in question rendered this occurrence highly probable. Dear, dear, I don't know, ma'am, said Charlotte, unless we send for the police officers. All a milling, Terry, suggested Mr. Claypole. No, no, said Mrs. Sowerby, bethinking herself of Oliver's old friend. Run to Mr. Bumble, Noah, and tell him to come here directly, and not to lose a minute. Never mind your cap. Make haste. You can hold a knife to that black eye as you run along. It'll keep the swelling down. Noah stopped to make no reply, but started off at his fullest speed, and very much it astonished the two people who were out walking to see a charity boy tearing through the streets pell-mell, with no cap on his head and a clasp-knife at his eye. End of chapter 6